And we're back. Now, we're also seeing that the border shutdown, particularly at the Ambassador Bridge, is having some real-time effects on the Canadian economy, on Canadian jobs, and for Canadian families, in particular, the auto sector and auto manufacturers. And for more on that part of the story, let's welcome in Dino Chiodo, who's the auto director for Unifor, who joins us now. Dino, good afternoon, and I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, having me here, Jeff. It's much appreciated. All right. Can you give us an idea? I mean, we've had reports about uh, Ford Motor Company in both uh, Windsor and Oakville and also a Toyota with plants in Woodstock and uh, Cambridge. Can you give us kind of a, more of a fulsome idea, if you will, as to the impact this is already having on the Canadian auto sector? Yeah, I, I think, uh, quite frankly, um, it's frustrating to know that uh, we've been struggling with semiconductor problems over the course of the last 18 months, and all of a sudden now uh, we're faced with uh, with a new uh, situation where we can't get parts, and it's affecting every one of our major operations in Canada. Uh, we, we see uh, shortages that are starting to arise uh, at our GM facilities and our, you know, uh, our Ford Oakville plant, uh, just as you said. Uh, they were uh, basically down uh, and continue to have some challenges with uh, part shortages. Uh, they're, they're, you know, basically running hour by hour just to make sure that uh, they have parts. And uh, once they don't, uh, either the plant lets them go or waits until they uh, get new parts in. Uh, Ford Windsor, same thing. On Wednesday, they shut down uh, that whole operation. There's uh, two locations there, the Windsor Essex and uh, the Annex, uh, they call it. 1,800 employees uh, did not work at all. Uh, but it doesn't only affect those employees, it, it actually affects the independent parts suppliers, the individuals that are supplying parts to them uh, are basically told, hey, there's no work uh, because you don't have to build if we're not building at, uh, at the major manufacturing facilities and they send those employees home and discretionary spending stops, you, you know, you don't, you don't go out to dinner. So it's, it's not only affecting those individuals, it's affecting the economy as a whole and it doesn't just stop at auto. Uh, so, so, so this is this is a very detrimental uh, drive that they're putting on to establish some type of voice, which I think they're somewhat misguided in. And uh, just as last piece, Windsor Assembly Plant and the Brampton Assembly Plant, um, you know, uh, Windsor was down because of semiconductors over the course of January, but uh, now uh, once we have the semiconductors to run, we uh, we've experienced uh, these uh, semi these uh, part shortages, and they're not running their operation and uh, sending people home early in uh, Brampton. Although they they run successfully, uh, you know, they're short shifting and getting half of their build out, uh, and again sending people uh, home regularly. And, and in mm-hmm. fact, this is affecting some 10,000 major manufacturing employees and uh, potentially as many as uh, about 20,000 independent parts employees. Uh, yeah, Dino, can I ask you, when they send workers home early or they cancel uh, shifts, is it the workers that are bearing the brunt of this? Are they covered for their day's uh, wages? Is that something in the collective uh, agreement? agreement? Or if uh, if they're sent home, do they lose a day's wage? Uh, well, if you in major manufacturing, there is, uh, there is a wage supplement, but... Uh, that's because of the collective agreements and the maturity of those agreements that we've established. But independent parts suppliers, uh, I'm going to tell you that 98% of them don't have anything like that. And uh, also that discretionary spending, because when you're making two, $300 less uh, a week, you're not going to you know, do the same things that you did previously because now you've got to tighten your belt. So that, that 
equates to now spilling into, uh, you know, corner stores, big box stores, putting gas in your car, uh, you, know, you know, it equates to restaurants. Uh, so, so that's a big challenge for everybody, and it affects the entire community. And that's why I think that, uh, you know, shutting down the bridge to tell the government that, hey, we want to be open uh, is kind of counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense to us whatsoever. And, and I think that, that the message is somewhat misguided. Yeah, and when we talk about Ford GM and some of the other auto manufacturers, we're not talking plant closures here right now. I just want to be really clear about that, uh, Dino. We're talking about uh, some shifts uh, being uh, canceled, but uh, plants haven't been fully closed or ceased to operate. But is that something that could soon happen? So, so Ford Windsor, Ford Windsor uh, was shut down the entire day Wednesday. But you're right; uh, they continue to run because they're trying to find alternative methods to get the parts here. Um, so, so from that prospect, uh, they get them here, but they kind of they kind of uh, come in slowly or not as just in time as they should. Uh, so, in effect, uh, they're creating delays, and uh, the company has to decide: Hey, do we run the full shift? Do we run a partial shift? <clears throat> What's the cost and expense? How do we fly those parts in? If they can fly those parts in, what is the alternative route? How many extra hours do we need in the pipeline in order to make that work? So there's a lot of strategizing that has to go into doing that. And then the feeder plants, again, to your point, uh, they don't have those wage subsidies or any type of wage replacement. So they're just automatically affected uh, by being sent home, whether it's an hour or two hours or they're sent home for the whole day. It's still a negative consequence. And and I think it needs to stop. I think we've got to get back on a level playing field. We felt a lot of negative impact last year with regards to semiconductors and COVID. Uh, and, And now that we have an opportunity to try and work and make things work for Canadian economy. Uh, I, I think this is this is just a long way to do that. Yeah. Can you explain a bit about the process for us, uh, Dino? Because I think there might be some people listening who are a little surprised, caught off guard that, uh, you know, a border closure for even just a couple of days could have this sort of, you know, monumental, if you will, impact on the auto manufacturing uh, sector uh, that uh, I think a lot of people would have thought, well, they probably got parts, uh, you know, piled up in the back and uh, stocked there for weeks on end uh, to build. But uh, that obviously is not the case. No, obviously, uh, to, to your point, there, there's uh, 300 million, I mean, uh, estimated over $300 million in goods that travel over the bridge uh, every day. Uh, so, so when you're looking at that uh, type of volume, and now it's been blocked for a course of three days, you've got to think that we've got five manufacturing facilities that have no, not no way, but have a very limited access to bringing that product to the United States. Uh, so so it, it affects just-in-time deliveries. So if we need, uh, you know, uh, engines that have to go into a particular vehicle that comes from Kokomo, Michigan, uh, or Kokomo, Indiana, it, it has to be shipped in. It, it could be in the pipeline. There could be 30 trucks that are on the road uh, shipping that there. You, you could have 10 of those trucks stuck uh, in, the, in the convoy or in the bridge closing on a highway, and those, those engines never make it to the plant. So now all of a sudden, uh, potentially, you have 150, 200 less engines to build uh, so you're shutting things down earlier. You're sending people home. Now you have to figure out how do we get that product there? Can we reroute and go another access? Is there a possibility of doing that? Um, and, and it's not one-way travel. It's not just from the United States to Canada. We have the same problem because we build a lot of manufacturing uh, equipment and materials that has to be delivered to the United States to run their operations in the U.S. So, so this isn't only affecting Canadian operations. This is affecting uh, American operations as well. And I, and I think that, you know, when you look at the root of the problem, um, you know, 
you know, really uh, people that are saying, hey, we want to open up the economy and we're closing down uh, a major artery to that economy in order to get our message across is just counterintuitive. It's very defeatist and, and, and wrong. And I guess maybe that might answer my final question for you, Dino. And your point, I think, is uh, well taken about this uh, affecting uh, both sides of the border. The Ambassador Bridge, as we've said countless times over the last uh, day or two, it is the busiest uh, crossing in North America. And I know Michigan's uh, Governor Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer, she has uh, spoken out asking Canada to please solve this, get this uh, done, get this uh, finished and get the goods flowing back and forth once again across the Ambassador Bridge. So to that point, uh, what is the auto sector's uh, message, both to the uh, truckers, to the uh, protesters on the bridge and to our leaders, to our politicians? Uh, I think that the uh, you know they need to determine exactly what they're asking for because what they're doing, like I said earlier, is counterintuitive. And the reality is, if they want to open up businesses, there's got to be a better way to do this. And by shutting down a border, a major artery to our country in the United States uh, for trade, is just the wrong way to get that message. All they're doing is they're harming your economy, the industry as a whole, and individual people and families. Uh, and I don't think they set out to do that. I think it's just evolved into something else and people don't have control of it anymore. And it's unfortunate we're here. Uh, but we need uh, some of these individuals to take a step back and say, hey, we've gone too far. We need to rethink this. All right, Dino, really appreciate the time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. There goes Dino Chiodo, who is the auto director for Unifor. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.